Hey, welcome to Backstage at Brick. I am your host, BJ Evans, back in the studio to talk to some Brick Lab artists. Uh, We had a bit of a hiatus. We took a little break over the holidays, but we are back and Brick Lab is back. And Elizabeth, who used to be my co-host, has moved back to Boston to be closer to family. And we wish her well and we miss her and we're sorry that she is gone. But um, I think she is all settled in Boston and really happy there. So... Um, again, we wish you the best, Elizabeth, but she's not here, and so it's just me, your host, BJ, um, talking to some beloved artists of Brick, and they are doing the next Brick Lab. It's called The Eye of the Beholder. It will be this Friday at 7 p.m. will be one of their showings, and then next Friday at 7 p.m., February 22nd, um, are the two showings. So two Fridays, two ways to catch it. So I wanted to have them introduce themselves, and um, I have in the studio with me Laura Anderson Barbata. Um, Hi, Laura. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. And tell us about your relationship to the Eye of the Beholder. What is is your role in the project? I... uh Hmm. I have a very long relationship with the story. This is uh, this project is uh, in connection with Julia Pastrana, a Mexican indigenous woman, Caíta, and she was born in Sinaloa, and I grew up in Sinaloa. I'm from Mexico, and it has to do with uh, creating. In this particular case, what we're doing is creating a, a performance that. Uh, that takes as his point of departure Julia's incredible, terrible, tragic story, but also uh, shows us how collective efforts and the way we change the, our conversations in dealing with people that many things can, positive things can result from that. And tell, so tell us a little bit what is... Julia's story. So, um, you know, there are a lot of people listening who will have no idea when I say the Eye of the Beholder is about Julia Pastrana, will have no idea who that individual is. So just really briefly, what is her story? Who is she? Julia Pastrana is a Mexican indigenous Caíta woman born in northern Mexico in 1834. She was born with a condition that is called hypertrichosis terminalis, and hyperplasia gingival, which means that her face and body were covered with thick hair and her jaw was overdeveloped. She was bought and sold from the time she was a child because of her, the way she looked, her condition. And ultimately... Bought and sold, do you, so do you mean like to, to be put on display for people to look at, like, like circus type things? Perhaps. There's okay. very little that's known about her infancy, but okay. by her young adolescent years, we do know that she's living in the house of the governor of Sinaloa of the time. And it is probably there that she learned how to sing mezzo-soprano and dance. And of course, the, she was fluent and could sing in four languages, Caíta, her native tongue, Spanish, English, and French. And uh, that's where the story begins, uh, really. Well, not really. It starts way before. (laughs) But that's part of her life. And then uh, it's a very, very long story of 150 years of Julia Pastrana's uh, exhibition and display. Um, Alive 
and after her death. So it's a very painful story about what happens to people because of the way they are labeled by society and when they are denied their human rights. So at a very young age, uh, after she's married and she's a star in the United States and then in Europe, uh, her, she, her, she dies in a hospital in Moscow giving birth to a baby boy and the baby dies as well and her husband sells the bodies of Julia and the baby to the attending doctor so he could test embalming techniques on humans. Then the husband puts them embalmed into a glass case and begins to exhibit them throughout Europe with great success, actually. And uh, she was a very well-known person of the time. She was known by Charles Darwin and naturalists like Francis Buckland, and they all wrote about her and said that she was, you know, perfectly well-educated and fine woman, but uh, this husband of hers, who was her manager, also used the way she looked to promote and to exploit her by saying, calling her the ugliest woman in the world, bear woman, um, hybrid Indian, all kinds of, you know, just keeps going. And you worked really hard to get her body repatriated to Mexico, to her hometown or near her hometown for a proper burial. Is that correct? That is correct. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, my understanding is some of the work you're doing in the Brick Lab is related to that journey, your own journey of working to repatriate her. Um, and so I'm curious about, and we have um, Kate Freer in the studio as well. Hi, Kate. Hi. Hi. Who is also working on this. And, you know, Laura, I um, have known of your work for some time as a visual artist, and you have this beautiful book, The Eye of the Beholder, and you have zines. But I'm curious about the this next iteration of, of your artistic practice of having a performing arts work about the journey about Julia Pastrana, or you, you tell, tell us what you feel it's about. And also with Kate being here, who is a very accomplished multimedia designer here in New York City, very sought after, um, and <laughs> very skilled and talented. And, you know, nobody um, brings Kate Freer into a project if they don't really intend to use multimedia. <laughs> so I'm curious about how that multimedia is coming into this work as well. Yes. There's a lot to ask. Well, it's an <laughs> honor to be here and to be at part of this residency at Brick Lab. It's really amazing. And to have Kate here, Catherine Freer is just a, an amazing artist and understands the material extremely well. Like she just understood the story of Julia Pastrana and the urgency for us not to let uh, it pass as, as to be something that's just a story that's in the past, but to, to take the opportunity and the guidance of Julia Pastrana to uh, show us that there are still many things we need to correct in our society to bring forward the advancement of human rights and the dignity of all people. And um, I think it would. I think you articulated so well. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a real power to the performing arts um, in uh, communicating um, these ideas and starting these questions, these really important questions um, that we're exploring with this piece um, specifically. And we have the process has been so fascinating from uh, the time that I joined um, and meeting Laura and meeting Julia. 
Um, and I was brought in by Tamala Woodard, who is our amazing mm-hmm. director yeah, <laughs> and collaborator. And I just, you know, the three of us have really been a team from the very beginning um, of this development. And we had the opportunity to really, like, dig into the beginning of that process with amphibian stages in Fort Worth. And now that we're here um, at Brick to, like, re-examine that process and the audience response and our response and our like dreams for how this conversation can continue and engage um, these questions. These two weeks are like unheard of and like special in ways I can't even (laughs) express um, because it is difficult. The conversations are difficult and we're doing um, this in a unique way. Um, It's not a traditional theater show um, or experience for the audience or for the performers or for any of the um, collaborative teams. So we get the opportunity to work this week on those questions, perform in front of an audience, get their feedback, and then go back for another week and put um, put something else up and get a whole another round of feedback from a new audience. And, you know, there are immersive elements, there are interactive elements, um, both digital and um, tactile. Um, so it's going to be really fascinating mm-hmm. to see um, and hear um, how how our work is being translated to um, the audience. Talk to me a little bit about that juxtaposition of the digital and the tactile in this experience for for people. Hmm. I mean, the goal is always to like blur those lines um, that there are. Um, the ease in which you interact with things um, like in the tactile world um, as well as like the digital world, like those, that interface should be, um, you know, second nature. So that is my goal as a multimedia designer when thinking about the interactive elements um, to just have them be natural to our participants um, so that you're not even thinking about how you're interacting with something. So you can... um, uh, interact with the digital space in the same way you would interact with a piece of paper. And thank you for bringing up Tamala Woodard. She's not here, and I, um, I'm remiss to have not introduced her um, as the director of this piece, even though she isn't here. But um, she's obviously a very accomplished uh, director as well. And I, the three of you have been working on this together. I feel like just by nature of when I email one, I'm like, well, I need to include everybody. Just even <laughs> even that kind of thing where like everyone is so involved, and I think that's really special. And I'm wondering if that kind of collaboration is is different for y'all as well, and if this is um, maybe. Uh, a collaboration that is um, breaking the form a little bit. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if that like also has to do with the nature of like this piece and also Laura, your work and like you don't necess- you don't come from a background of theater performance like as the performer yourself. You know, I know that you have done a number of TED talks and like worked in the theater as a costume designer. But like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this your first like piece as like a performer in a theatrical setting? I, as you said, I'm (laughs) not from the theater, so I don't really even know the terminology. I feel that, uh, well, my work is collaborative and has been since the 90s, and there's a performative element to a great part of my work, which is working with 
for example, the stilt dancers, and I perform along with them, and I'm a character there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard for me to not step in when you say that you performed along stilt dancers. Like, what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what have I missed? That's amazing. You haven't seen me? No. I'm the little... One. Yeah, she's pretty new. <laughs> oh my okay. We're gonna have to sidebar well, about that. But I think, I mean, like, I think that you bring up a great play, uh, point is that you know the three of us are all coming from very like you know wide ranging backgrounds of sort of like non traditional performance. You know, and while Tamil and I spend a lot of our time in the theater space and inside of that system, we are coming from um, like deep love of. Um, also, like working in museum settings, working on site-specific work, working on um, you know immersive um, work. Um, so we're and you know also visual arts and and music and dance. And so um, we all have a lot of very interconnected skill sets and desires um, of like those different um, backgrounds of collaboration. So it's kind of it just like. I don't know what force it was in the universe <laughs> that brought us together. It was probably Julia, but yeah. um, like as soon as we all got into the room together to begin talking about this collaboration, everything just clicks because we're not thinking about everything inside of the hypothetical box. We're looking into the box and seeing all the possibilities and the unseen and all the space around that. And so I think we're taking that um, desire to explore um, the infinite possibilities in what it means to um, have a theatrical experience, and we're bringing that passion into this project, and you know, it's just it's natural for us. Yes, and I think that one of uh, the experience that each one of us has working collaboratively, but so different, and so um, from different approaches, right? I think it really enriches the experience and. I'm thrilled to have to have met and be introduced to to Tamala Woodard and to Catherine Freer, and now here at Brick. That was because of Amphibian Stage Productions for that iteration. I had already tried the piece several times in different ways for a few years, and it was very, you know, I, I give a lot of talks and I'm invited to give lectures and I've taught, so it it had that component. And it had the little dance component because I used to dance as a child and kind of this overlapping of Julia's life and my life, both from Sinaloa, these things. But um, but it was Kathleen Culebro who said, you know, you you, you need a director and, <laughs> and, and introduced me to talent. I said, maybe she's amazing. She's really sought after, so I don't know if she even has time. If even if she <laughs> loves the project, and she was amazing, we started working immediately. So we've been working on it for a long time, and so it's changed completely. It's another, it's a new piece, and then, then, working like like Catherine has said, like we started to work together, all of us, and and Catherine bringing this incredible visual language and and, and to enrich the narrative and to and to just add a layer. So many layers. Yeah, I mean, like, I jump at the opportunity to collaborate and make work in this way where, um, you know, 
uh, you sort of blur the lines of storytelling um, between all of the different mediums that you're working with that like the visual is so intricate to the actual storytelling um, process as much so as every other element that we're like working with them all really in symphony um, and uh, also to be a part of a team that really wants everyone in the collaborative space to be making a comment with their work that we actually have something to say with every single thing that we're putting in the space in front of the audience that's unique and that's where we're all coming from I mean this piece deals with a lot of very you know triggering and important issues of identity and visibility and um, history and perspective and how we all see each other and treat each other in the world and you have to um, be very intentional with those conversations and accountable for everything that you're putting in the space and for everybody in the room to understand that gravity is you know it's a beautiful opportunity and we really want to you know be very careful with that process which is why we are so thrilled to have this time which is so valuable in this space together right. thank I love you. what you said yes thank you that was beautiful mm-hmm. and I really do love what you said about your work living in symphony with you know the work of Tamla and Laura and you know speaking from someone who sees a lot of theater and a lot of work I am always struck by how your work Kate do you prefer Kate or Catherine actually either is fine okay. I'm sorry that's confusing <laughs> no, it's really fine. I've always called you Kate and then Laura was calling you Catherine and I was like oh what have I done uh, um but I, what your work always always works in symphony with the piece at hand and you know that you are not one of those multimedia designers that you know throws projections onto a piece because they're pretty or you know you you're just really thoughtful about working with the piece and it's serving the piece and i that's actually really really hard to do in this world of digital and multimedia and projection and everyone is so projection happy mm-hmm. and and I don't think it's being as thoughtful as you are. And so when I say that I can't think of a better person for <laughs> this work, for someone who is going to be very thoughtful about the visuals that are being used, um, especially given the subject matter and and what you even just said about it also being tactile, about how you're thinking about the analog as well as the digital. Um, it's just really thrilling to have the three of you working together. I mean, I just can't think of a better team to be you know, honoring Julia Pastrana, really, than the three of y'all. Thank you. And we also we're joined by uh, Rebecca Martinez, who's also just recently joined us and beginning the collaborative process with us and beginning this journey. And she is uh, helping with, she's a choreographer and with movement direction. She's also assistant director. Yeah, she's got a great like eye on everything yeah. that we're doing, and it's beautiful to have that in the space and just like somebody else who is taking care of the whole, you know, project. Um, like the more people that we have in that role, the better. And then also Stephen, our yes, Stephen Arnold, <laughs> oh, who Stephen. our <laughs> wonderful lighting designer that um, yeah. just you know Tamela and I have worked with many times in the past and. Um, is, you know, we are so lucky that he is here at Brick and just, like, excited to have his um, eye and sensibility and artistry in the room with mm-hmm. us as we go yeah. forward. It's really incredible because uh, I see this as, uh, as, as I'm learning so much about process and create the creative process, but to watch, for example, Tamala and, and Kate 
Catherine, <laughs> Stephen, and Rebecca. While this is being un- while it's being rehearsed, discussed, unpacked, people are actually just making things and working on it. So you actually are seeing the way the bread is rising in the oven. You know, <laughs> oh, I love that that visual, that metaphor. And because um, everybody's, you know. Zzz adding things <laughs> for for anyone listening that i'm there's lots of hand motions happening and lots of, like motions of bread rising <laughs> facial expressions yes and lots of facial expressions the the other thing that i just find so moving in this whole process is that you are here during the anniversary of julia's burial and i believe it was yesterday if i'm not mistaken it was six years so tell me a little bit about what that means to you were were you there did you get a chance to be there for that day back in 2013 laura yes thank you for for mentioning that i think it's uh, auspicious that we are here for this week two weeks because not only it's it celebrates the sixth year anniversary of her repatriation and her burial in her homeland. She was kept at the Schreiner Collection in Oslo, and it was a very long, complicated process to have them, the Ministry of Health, the university, the Schreiner Collection itself, accept that she officially, on official capacity and legal capacity, that Julia Pastrana had the right and should be buried in her homeland, and that she had been denied all her rights her whole life and after her death, and that it was a horrific what was still happening to her. And um, on the 9th of February 2013, custody of Julia Pastrana was transferred from the University of Oslo to Mexico. And I represented the state of Sinaloa. And then she flew from, she was put in a, you know, she was taken out of the inventory (laughs) and actually recognized as a person and put into a coffin like you would a deceased friend and relative and they also gave a ceremony for her which was really a big flip in the way that they were addressing her and also the urgency they felt to 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 be to to see her and to repair repair the 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 damages and so they gave a ceremony for her and she then put and she was um, never seen exhibited again and she flew back to Mexico, where she was received by the governor of Sinaloa, which is a, a, this beautiful circle, right? The, the governor of Sinaloa is basically who sold her or tried to sell her as an adolescent. And the governor of Sinaloa today is the one who, on his in his official capacity, requests her return after all of my years of petitioning it. So to be here during this these weeks really is a reminder uh, that there, again, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, that this story is not buried here because to correct the wrongs and the injustices of the past requires work today. It, the past is still with us as long as we do not address it head on and make the necessary changes. Yeah, I mean, you know, the past is what makes up this present moment. And I'm also reminded as I am listening to you, Laura, um, that, you know, this story is so relevant now for so many reasons. Um, You know, the way that um, Julia was 
treated and viewed during her life and all of that represent how how all of that represents itself in the way that we treat each other today but also the work that you were doing to repatriate her remains uh, to Sinaloa um, and how that conversation is so um, relevant today with all of the efforts to repatriate remains and sacred objects all over the world and that struggle and just the conversation around the importance of preservation and the moral importance of um, you know the right to your cultural objects and um, ancestors. That's, yes, it's brilliant. So I think that I, that's one of the subjects that Julia Pastrana is a reminder of and and invites us to to continue discussing and to to address and also human traffic. She was a victim of human traffic. Um, how she was objectified and dehumanized because of the way she looks. Women are still subjected to this. Uh, so beauty as a, as, a, as a motive for dehumanizing. Uh, there's the, so the list is endless. Yeah, and unfortunately, um, it, the list is endless of how we continue to dehumanize. and. Um, but also, you know, the power of you know, the medium that we work in or the many mediums that we work <laughs> in to really like uplift these stories in a way um, that can amplify um, voices who have not traditionally been amplified or able to um, speak for themselves um, who have been targeted. Um, so we are given this like amazing opportunity to use our craft um, to um, bring this conversation into the focus of you know our work mm-hmm. and people's um, perspective. Yeah, and thank you for bringing here. Yes, Laura, you. you about I to wanted say to say something. something that I think is very important that we we work on this in the in the in the piece is that it is it can be overwhelming to look at social problems and actually feel that there is nothing that you can do that that the, that the pushback is just so much or there's just and. I truly believe, and there's examples in this story, how small actions can make significant changes. So if we are, we work hard and honestly, simple changes that every one of us can do can contribute to a better world. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. This is one of the things that has always struck me about this project and about your work is the that you are one person. And I'm sure there were many other one peoples who were part of the process. But each of those individuals were one person. Hmm. And you're absolutely right. You made a massive difference. And you continue to by generating this work as a performing arts piece and bringing it here to Brick, and now I know about it, and now Kate is involved, and Tamil is involved, and more people will know about it this Friday at 7 o'clock. You should come. <laughs> and next Friday at 7 o'clock, and everyone on staff here at Brick, whether they come or not, they know about it, and they know the story, and just that ripple effect that you know you may not even realize you're having by having done this work and shown us all that one person can make a difference. It really does have a really large ripple effect even for people who don't even get a chance to come see it because we're all hearing about it and we're Mm -hmm. all talking about it and I think that is um, a big part of the process 
of, of us all doing the work that we need to do to, you know, envision a better future for ourselves and, you know, the next generation is just knowing what needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so um, I'm really, really excited about this piece. I'm really excited about all of you. Um, is there anything else before we sign off that you all wanted to say that I didn't ask? Well, I just want to say thank you, BJ, for all of your endless support <laughs> and like efforts. Um, it's really, you know, um, you don't always walk into a space and feel support in the way that we do feel here. And I feel very comfortable saying that for, you know, speaking for my whole team. It's yes. been it's been really, you know, it's clear that you are supporting us um, from the beginning to, you know, the end and beyond. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Thank you for Thrilled. saying that. It really means a lot to me to hear that. It really does. Thank you. Um, so with that, um, we're going to say goodbye for now in the studio to um, Kate or Catherine Freer, <laughs> multimedia designer mm-hmm. of The Eye of the Beholder, and Laura Anderson Barbata, the generative artist, writer, creator, um, yeah, all of the things. Team. Team, team member. Team member <laughs> um, of The Eye of the Beholder. And come out come out to the showing and, and um, experience this work. It is a work in progress showing. They're answering questions about their work. They're actively in process. It is a process-based residency, and the showing is part of that process. So I invite you, if you're listening, to come into that process with us this Friday, February 15th at 7 o'clock. And then again, they're going to keep doing the process. And we'll be back again the following Friday, February 22nd at 7 o'clock for more of uh, the process and getting the audience feedback. So come on out. Tickets are only $8. You can get them at BrickArtsMedia.org. This has been another episode of Backstage at Brick. I'm your host, BJ Evans, and me in the studio is Catherine Freer and Laura Anderson Parvata. We are recorded live at the podcast studio at Brick House. We will catch you in a couple of weeks. Bye.